so good stuff. <laughs> So, Dennis, how have you been doing? Do you? Oh, better now. Do you, better now that it's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. Do you, do you still have? Oh, do you still have two arms? Yeah, I went into the doctor today. In fact, and got my checkup. So it's my second splint, and this time when they cut it off with scissors, my arm I knew would have an emaciated look to it, yeah. a scaly look. Right. And and now with a scar that looks like a botched suicide attempt, it's so grotesque. <laughs> Eight stitches across my wrist. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm looking at a a, a a beastly looking arm here, but I scratched it a little bit and yeah. uh, moved it, and uh, I'm now in a a uh, cast that a splint that I unwrap when I want to nice. and wash. So I've now have removable, cool. and I go in in uh, eight days and then go to something even less. Uh, Immobilize, immobilizing. Right. So it's all good. It's all good, but it, it was, you know, it was like, holy shit. Look at that fucking arm. Oh, God. Whose yeah. arm is that? When I, when I, when I Googled uh, images of uh, uh, sliced wrists, it was not a good thing to Google. Don't Google that. No, no don't Google that. Uh, but anyway, it's coming along, and the stitches look good. So, uh, yeah. Plus, I, it, uh, it's on the, is it on the inside of your wrist? So, yeah. Like, so yeah. it's... It's not noticeable by by people, you know. Well, I mean, some some people get tattoos on the inside of their wrists. You know, it's like a private thing that it's not really visible unless you like show somebody. Right. So right. you're, well, you're but your scar, you know. If my uh, if my cuff creeps up during a business meeting and yes. the cuff creep the eight, the eight stitches, Be, beware <laughs> of cuff creep. They, you know, people will whisper. He looks fine today, but I think he had a darker <laughs> past. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Right, right. Could he you... seems he looks fine right now, <laughs> but there's uh, a darker past lurking. I can tell. Yes, there's a there's a shadow over this man. <laughs> I swallowed the shadow. Ooh. And now when I belch, it comes out. When I puke, it comes out of my nose. The shadow. Excuse me, sir. You got some shadow in your face there. Yeah. This past weekend, I did an interesting thing. I took the whole family, and we drove five hours away on Saturday morning at the crack of dawn, and then drive, drove five hours back on Sunday night. Um, we went to a Warner Brothers theme park in Madrid. Um, and it's it's sort of, you know, like you think of Warner Brothers, and you think of Looney Tunes, right? Yeah. Um, and, but... Since then, Warner Brothers has been like buying up other other media. Like they bought uh, Hanna Barbera, so they have, yeah, right. so they own uh, the Jetsons and Flintstones and whatnot. Yogi Bear, Yogi Bear, yep. And uh, so it was this sort of theme park. But like kids these days, because Disney has driven Warner Brothers into the ground, uh, like really, children these days don't know any of those characters. Uh, they don't know. I mean. There's a little bit of knowledge of who Bugs Bunny is, maybe, but uh-huh. but beyond that, you don't get. Uh-huh. There's not a lot of um, Roadrunner and Coyote on the yeah. on the screen on the on the TV screens or anything like that. So it was sort of like this it, new theme, it, it, like. But the whole point of a theme park is you're going to see characters that you know and love. So it was 
you know, all the kids are like, well, what, who is this? Who? Yeah. Who, I mean, who are you? <laughs> right. Like I've, I, I've shown my kids the really horrible uh, new live action Scooby-Doo movie, but they've never seen a Scooby-Doo cartoon. They don't know any of the tropes of the, the man that's right. unmasked and, you know, the ghost wasn't really the ghost. It was, right. Oh, you meddling kids, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so they don't know any of that. So it's just sort of this, it's, it's almost as if you're going to a theme park where you've never heard of, it's only like, it's almost like you're going to, to Disneyland, but you've never heard of, of any of the Disney franchises. So there's just these big, you know, man-sized animals walking around uh, that, that you don't know who the hell they are or anything like that. Right. Uh, but, you know, there were sort of roller coastery rides and crap like that to, to see. So, uh, but. And so, but was it, was it good for you because you, you know all those? No, well, I know all the characters, but it was sort of sad for me because the execution was so lame that, like, it it didn't. Well, first of all, a theme park is for children, it, right? Well, at right, least, right. I mean, I've heard that some grown-ups can go to Disney World and Disneyland and stuff and and really have a pleasant time because it's just so yeah, well done. Right. But this was right. like this was in the same way that. Warner Brothers has fallen behind of Disney. I think this is this was sort of that the equivalent of that, but in a theme park. So yeah. it was it was sort of dirty and uh, not well executed, and uh, the the some of the some of the staff members were mean, and uh, it was just it was just rough. Subpar. It was subpar. Yes. Oh God Almighty! Uh, but and it was five hours up and five hours back. Like, and of course, you, expensive as shit. Did you? Yeah. Did you manage to have fun? Uh. Okay. So. But the 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 takeaway is when I was there waiting in and so we got there and we there was like there's a Wild West world and there's a uh, Hollywood land and then there's a superheroes because Warner Brothers owns the DC superheroes like um, Superman and Batman. Uh, And then there was the cartoon area and I walked in and I was like, well, the only thing Warner Brothers is worth is the cartoon. So let's go to the cartoon area. And the very first thing to do in the cartoon area was this Scooby-Doo mystery hut. Uh, and, and it was really, so you, you walk, you, you, you see, you see this sort of house that's, you know, decorated Scooby-Doo-y and you, and there's a sign saying entrance on one side. So you go to, and you go peer in the entrance and you look and there's just this room about the size of a normal bedroom with a little line snicking with barriers. So there's like 20, 20 people in there. And yeah. you're like, well, that looks like a short enough line. And so you go in there and you, you wait in line. You go through the room. You go sneaking around and you get to the doorway. And the next room is the room just like the one you're in with another line sneaking all the way the fuck around. And you're like, all right, well, surely the next the next door is the, the actual you know ride right. or thing we're going to do. We didn't even know right. what it was going to be. Right, and, right, right, right. And so you get, over, you get over to the next one and it's room after room after room. And because they want it to be spooky, it's all super dark and with black lights and stuff. So like there's no ventilation. And you're in this room, you're in this place with, you know, a hundred other people, a bunch of little kids who I must say were quite well behaved for being, right. you know, ages uh, two to ten. Right. Um, and so you're sort of sneaking along and, you know, the kids are swinging around on the little barriers between the where you're, where you're supposed to be. And it was one whole hour to get to the place where your the actual ride was. Oh, my God. And in this stuffy, stinky place and luckily there was one towards the end there was a there was a door that's like an emergency exit in case of a fire that people had sort of jimmied open and were, and were letting in both light and and you know fresh air 
so you get to the very end, and what the ride was was you sit in the sit four people in a in a little cart, and in front of you in the cart, each of you has a little laser pistol, and you go through this sort of black lights uh, thing where it's attempting to be spooky, but you don't want to really scare children. So there's you know there's like stuff that like a coffin that like almost falls on you and you're supposed to be shooting at these little uh targets all around you as you go through this thing anyway i was i was so cynical by the time i actually got on the damn cart that i set a stopwatch on my watch to see how long the, the ride was right right and if if you if you had if i if we'd gotten there and in one minute got on the ride and could do the ride I might even actually go back and do it again because there were so many things to look at left and right that you didn't really good. you didn't really see of it. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't I wouldn't say good, but it was not comparatively. Bad. comparatively. Yeah, uh, the whole ride after waiting for one hour was two minutes and fifteen seconds. <laughs> and then it was done, and we're like, okay, let's go do something else. Let's go do something else. Uh, so and and how were and and the children went from room to room, but what was there of interest in each room? Oh yeah, would... nothing. There was uh, sort of cartoonish. Uh, as a lot of them were, as if there was like going to be a scary portrait on the wall. Like there was the frame, but there was like nothing in the frame. And there was another one. There, were, there was like some cartoon torches or something. It was. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't well executed. Like you could have made something to look at in every room. Right. And, and right. in fact, in the very last room, uh, there was a there was a, a TV on the wall showing the same forty five seconds of a Wile E. Coyote uh, cartoon. Um, that was actually, you know, more, way more entertaining than anything else in the other room. You know, you watch, you know, he's loading a, a rock onto a catapult and, and he pulls the string and, you know, you, you've, right. you've been there. Uh, it's my favorite. Exactly. It was my favorite. Yeah. So, uh, exactly. So like, and what's amazing is, I mean, like the genius behind that whole construct of the Wiley Coyote and the Red Runner. Yeah. Like, yeah. you, you don't even need sound for that. You can just watch it. And you... Well, you know you know the artist's name, who is the voice of all, Mel Blanc. Yeah, yeah. He did Mel all Blank. the voices, yeah. Uh, and, and, and was responsible for the tone and the attitude of the characters, you know, toward each other. And I think in a large way, they, they you know, he was both, both the cartoon, he wasn't the cartoonist and the voice, he was just the voices. Right. Which was he? He was the, the, he was the voices, yeah. Voices, right. And... Yeah, at, at some point he like had a really serious car accident. He was driving fast on the on the California highways, uh, you know, the coastal highway, uh, and he got really badly hurt. But I, I think he recovered at least yeah. for a little while to go back to work. But yeah, so it was very. He, uh, you know what I heard? What'd you hear? He hit a he hit a road runner. <laughs> he was following a road runner trying to go through a painting in in the cliff. <laughs> Right. The road runner right exploded. Right. That exploded like a firecracker, and they paused in the air. And yeah. before they fell, gravity took them over. They had the perfect look of, "Oh, what the fuck!" <laughs> and then they would fall. Right, it exactly. was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah. Nowadays, Wiley Coyote would hold up a sign that says "WTF." <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Nice. And the road runner was just very like nonchalant about everything, like. This is so easy for me because I'm so smart compared to this total, total buffoonish Wiley Coyote who, who you know, it was great because you identified with both of them. Exactly. You know? Exactly. You know, you know, uh, so, you know, your better self and your worse self. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, 
the the coyote like because everyone has made plans and have them had them not go the way they want right literally drop out from under you yeah and it's also you know it's nice to watch the failure of others because it makes you feel a little better like that's why that's why people like i don't know like those like those videos there's a bunch of videos where people fall down and stuff i don't i don't know if that's right, the, right. the pleasure of that right. but uh, right. uh it's it's nice to see you know other other people being imperfect well it's it it starts with slapstick and then works its way into all sorts of right different comedic devices you know but at the end of the day it's simply about people doing stupid things you know yeah. and and it's funny i mean you know when we do it sometimes we think it's funny i mean we make a mistake we laugh out loud at how stupid we were so other people are really just kind of joining in you know i mean yeah there's a uh so there's an internet meme called um hold my beer it's like hey we're all drinking i'm gonna i'm about to do something really cool hold my beer and then you know whatever chaos ensues of whatever right. whatever that is there, there's some good uh mm, twitter accounts and stuff of of people doing crazy stuff and then, what they do what they do when they give somebody their beer right and exactly. say, beer. yeah and then they launch into yeah. some watch this crazy yeah. right and do crazy shit i'm about to go jump off the roof or whatever yeah yeah right fall and hurt myself and land on my crotch and and then when their balls hurt we go oh <laughs> we laugh it's funny but oh it hurts and but yeah we think it's funny yeah there's a i i remember where did i learn maybe maybe not in like a psychology course or something but part the people that study humor and what is what is funny uh a big part of, and they look at like what babies find funny and a lot of what babies find funny is it what it is is a release uh from the from from fear like oh no someone's falling oh but they're okay and babies find babies find that really funny that's like the whole origin of of, of slapstick and you know why right. why it's funny when charlie chaplin falls down in a in a comedic way or you know all of the right. all of the um physical comedians it doesn't, it doesn't hurt himself right he gets up hurt. right because if, if right. he fell down and then was like hauled off in a stretcher they would be like right. uh that's not quite so funny uh right. but that, that's that's a very base sense that uh, apparently goes more or less across human cultures but so yeah the um watching you know and i mean that's like the whole origin of uh are you familiar with the uh, jackass franchise yeah, yeah, yeah. Started yeah. from MTV, where it's just these yes, people I've just trying that. to hurt themselves. And, I know it's uh, it's right. It, I saw the uh, I saw the uh, iconic alligators in the pit climbing across the pit with your underwear full of raw meat Jesus. on a bamboo stick, and the alligators able to reach you and your underwear and the meat and your ass across an alligator pit, and it was <laughs> it was frightening. It, right, it and, was... and, and it's and it's so entertaining because it's so tense. Like it, it gets that visceral uh, feeling of I'm about to watch something terrible happen. Right, but then when when it doesn't happen, you get that release, and you're like, ha ha ha. Right, so it, uh, you know, and it gets to be sort of like you know the the uh, Monty Python skit that we listened to last week, uh, where they outdo each other, you know, and it's sort of like where you know uh, in Monty Python. <laughs> They would describe the 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 derelict nature of the childhood, and the other guy would respond and say, "Luxury." <laughs> so it's sort of like that with Jackass, where they show this, you know, and then the other one's like, "Fucking wimp!" Right. <laughs> I spit on alligators, biting after my ass. Watch this, right? <laughs> 
Speaking speaking of Monty Python, I I heard uh, I, I saw something today where uh, someone like some uh, some high level European Union uh, government official uh, referred to um, to Brexit and you know Theresa May as the as the the Black Knight with all of its limbs chopped off, saying, "Come on, you know I'm still going to fight you," uh, because the whole Brexit thing is so. Uh, Great. You know, she she's in such a bad position to negotiate oh, yeah. that uh, oh, yeah. it's very it's very much like that uh, you know having all your limbs chopped off and be like I'm not I'm not dead yet I'm... anyway squirting right? right twisting and squirting limbs oh my word what a clever yes. skit that was too right oh god it, so funny and doing that with the practical effects of the time is pretty uh, impressive. <laughs> So we uh, we went to see Tab Benoit this weekend here in uh, Kalamazoo. He had a I'm sorry, who's young, that? What is that? Uh, Tab Benoit. The uh, Tab Benoit. The Benoit. B e n o i t. Benoit. Benoit. Tab uh, Benoit. Benoit. Uh, it's, oh, it's French. The, the Whiskey Review from uh, Louisiana. Yeah. And he had a young boy from a lot around here who cut his first album when he was 16. His name was Jake Kirschwin. Yeah. And Jake, I saw him couple years ago when he was 16 now he's like 18 19 uh but he's a phenomenal guitar player and he'll blow your socks off in a minute and and has for a long time a true prodigy wow but from from where i was sitting and the way that he looks he looked like you a younger a younger you and so that was that well, that I'm made about me 18 happen. no no a younger i know you. i know i was once well one would one would imagine one, one, that's one the way, would figure that's the way time one, works that's the way i saw that the other day i watched the whole middle of it flipping channel yeah 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 it was great it was great weird, he, i saw i saw one. when he came when he come back and he was like 14 16 16 probably and uh and she and she betted him and it was like <laughs> this is too weird way too weird and she was like in her 50s Right, you know, something like that, and uh, wow, crazy. That's one of those Especially, having having small having small kids. I I hear all of this stuff that everyone that every human has ever thought of. Of you know, what would your uh, what superpower would you want to have? You know, we go over and over and over that. Uh, and and but other stuff is like, what if like every year you got younger? Uh, that's a common like people right. have been saying have been right. you know goofing around with that for a long time. Right. And right. what an interesting right. story to attempt to. Tell us right. narrative with that. Right, that's crazy. Right, it just wisp disappears in a, you know, wisp. It's a, it's astounding. It's astounding. It's one of my favorites, right up there with Moonstruck. So you've seen it since we've spoken, correct? Still no Moonstruck. Uh, no, I have been doing other things. If we talk next week and you still ain't seen Moonstruck, I'm gonna kick you till you're dead. That's, I, I would expect no less. <laughs> <laughs> so, I might see you. Hey, so another pretty cool thing that happened between when we last spoke is a, a a girl that went to my high school and then to my college who is who was a a year younger in grade wise, but she's really only like three months younger than me. Uh, she went. She went to the freaking International Space Station. She's oh. an astronaut. 
She blasted off from Russia. She's now she's in space now for the next six months. Yeah, like I don't know her. I don't. I don't. Wow. I don't have any real memory of her. But like we have common friends. Yes, uh, yeah, right. And certainly in common your, experiences. In your circle of friends. Well, in uh, in my adjacent circle of friends, yes. Ah, uh, once removed. But uh, pretty freaking uh, cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, what kind of a what kind of a reality is that? If that's your job, I mean, I mean, yeah. good well, lord, I mean. And and her like they when I was waiting in the. Th- 30 minutes before uh, the, the launch, because I wanted to watch it live, uh, they did sort of a little retrospective on all of the astronauts that were going up. And her history is just crazy. Like, she loves uh, rock climbing, and she did, she she spent, like, four or five months uh, at the South Pole doing research. You know, just crazy extreme stuff. Uh, but she, uh, and, you know, studying, she worked at the Jet Propulsion Labs and, uh, Goddard and stuff like that, just doing crazy sciencey stuff. Wow. But yeah, but yeah, the and it's such a the competition. Like, I think once they, I think they choose like ten people, eight or ten people to uh, to sort of be like the the graduating class, not even the graduating class, but like the the ones selected to go through the training program. And so several of the people that went through the training program with her are were already up there and have and have have done it, but. Just to be selected, because that's oh, yeah. that's as, oh, that's yeah. as, that's more that's a more competitive thing than like anything. being being in the NBA, you know, like than anything, yeah, yeah. than anything. Yeah. There's than so anything. so few people get to actually do that. In such a in an all in all uh, in all levels, at all spheres of your physical, spiritual, mental, yeah. emotional self. I mean, it, it is such an absolute total commitment to the science. Yeah, that it that 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 you you are comfortable. I, I imagine largely comfortable with knowing that your life is absolutely totally reliant on not just the science, but right. your belief, your belief of the science, not just your understanding, yeah, yeah, but yeah. your belief. Because at some point there's a, a spiritual aspect of that, that these men and women have got to feel like they can look their loved ones in the eyes and say, I'm going to be okay. Right. And some of you them, know. some of them don't come back, but, uh, but yeah, it's, a, uh, and, you know, again, with, with, to investigate a little bit your, your parallels with science and religion, like at some point with science, you have to take someone else's word for, for something because you can't, you can't understand all the science. It's not like a couple hundred years ago where, you know, Thomas Jefferson or whoever, uh, really was, could be an expert in like 20 different fields. Whereas now you got to trust that's the other scientists promise that yes, these rockets work in the way that they do, uh, and and whatnot. Well, it's the team, right? Exactly, and it's the team. And who's a better team than than to have your back than freaking NASA? But, well, uh, and you know the story I tell in my uh, reform work, which is system change work, is that I tell the story of the janitor who's in a NASA demonstration. He's way in the back, and one of the visitors, one of the people that were should have been up front listening more closely to what was being said up front. He went to the back to have a smoke or something like that. I, right. That's what I picture. Sure. And uh, and he asked the janitor, so what do you do here? What's your job? And uh, the janitor said, my job is to get a man on the moon. Fuck and yes. It's, it's the absolutely epitome of understanding that every movement you make, every professional breath you take is for one objective. And the, 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 the ownership of that 
by a large, a very large group of people is in itself a spiritual experience. Yes. Because it is built on camaraderie and trust and laughter and love and trust engendered and trust is at the center of it. But nonetheless, all those other things, as with any team, with any team, yeah. there's a sense of humor to it. And, you know, and you hear in some professors. And I've got your back dark, and you've got mine. And, right, and, right. Knowing. and then the dark, and the dark humor, you know, in corrections, for example, you know, I mean, there's always dark humor, you know. I mean, I imagine, in, I imagine in NASA they joke all the, all the time about, you know, well, I don't know. I was going to say <laughs> they, they joke about, you know, well, this there's a whole bunch of fuel under under your ass here. Uh, hope, hope hope it all burns the way we expect it to. Yeah, I don't know, man. But I, you know, and I I, I just think it's such the um, that is a really beautiful story. I like I like that uh, the janitor is here to put a man on the moon. Yeah, it, and it's it's pretty common commonly told in the in the when you're given talks, you know, of, of getting people to motivate focused. motivate people that right, might be at, at right. low levels of the organization. Right, yeah, right, right. because you know. Nobody plans. I mean, you know, it's just government. It government is what. Well, what do all those people do in those buildings? I don't know. That's the government. Yeah. You walk down Washington. This is one of my uh, favorite nasty on the dark side images of walking the streets of Washington D.C. amongst the marble buildings and the amazing expense of the stone. And the marble and the granite and the, you know, it's just so huge and underground tunnels. And in them all are all these people that are moving money. Yeah. That's what they all do is they move money and to move money, you got to spend money. And there's this whole town that's full of these buildings. And then you go from there and you jump in an airplane. Well, you got to go home. Well, where do you go? You go fly into the state capitol. Then you're in the state capitol. And as you're driving through the state capitol, you're driving through a bunch of buildings that look just the same. Uh-huh. And you know what it is? It's where the people are, who moving the people money. up in Washington are moving that money from where they are down there. And then and then and then, and then they taking some off the top. And then and then I drive home and I drive by the county courthouse and I look and there's a even more a building. Pillars. Well, well, what's it made out of? Huh? Marble and yep. stone and brass and shiny stuff. You know, oh, and what do they do? Oh, well, they get the money from the state people. Yeah, and, and yeah, and then uh, and then the courts they uh, what they give money away too. Yeah, look, it's, it's pillars all the way down. You know who they give the money to? They give the money finally to the people who are helping people. That's what they're doing. They're giving it to social workers and job navigators and people who know their shit about how to connect people with what they need. But we cut through one, two, three, four different layers of bureaucracy to get to that point. And it is along the way, every bit of it, another percentage off the top. Yep. Why don't we just take the fucking money and give it to the people that are fucking doing the services and cut through the fucking shit in between? Oh, well, because it takes a lot of people to manage that much money. Well, uh-huh. Well, not that many layers. One layer. Right? Yep. Right? Yep, right? yep, 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 yep. yep. Yeah, so with uh, with NASA, you know, now we're gonna have a space force. Oh, which I think is pretty awesome. I, I imagine we're gonna have like laser guns and photon torpedoes and shit to uh-huh. shoot, to shoot at the 
How much you want to make a bet that the, the, the strike force who works for Trump Space looks just like, just like the uh, Star Wars, uh, what are those guys in the white? The uh, Stormtroopers. The Stormtroopers, right? Yes. Right. Which, 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 maybe they'll be the Department of Justice. Who knows? Who knows? In the world according to Trump. It's like he just, he's just, a, I mean, in almost every single way, he's a child. Like, he... <laughs> He thinks, you know, he has he has the hands of a child. Well, that too. <laughs> He's got the smallest fucking hands of anybody I ever met. And just like his dick. According to Stormy Daniels, you know, just like uh, his dick. Can so, you imagine? Can you imagine him bending over and asking no, Stormy stop. Daniels to spank that image? Stop. Is burned stop. in the electorate. It's burned. Stop. It's burned in the in the head of every black woman in America to know that this is their this is their this is their president. And they know better as to what we need. Good Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. In the same way that I don't think uh, religion should play any role in politics, I think sex should not play any role, role in politics. Like, you shouldn't vote for the sexiest person. Uh, or or you shouldn't imagine your leaders naked, you know? The first politician was a whore. Wow. Is that from the Bible? <laughs> it's the book, according to Esme. Okay. Okay. So. You see the book of, uh, of, of uh, Eli with uh, Denzel Washington? I did. That oh, was, man. That was, a, huh? that was a pretty good, huh? uh, you know, Attention listeners, there may be spoilers, but that was a pretty good. Uh... Yes. The, we don't know if either one of you have seen it. <laughs> but you post, Listen, listener you one listen, or listener two. Or, 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 or spoiler alert, Eric to Dennis, because we're the only two people on the planet that would listen to this fucking dribble. So anyway, yeah, that, that was a, that was a good. Um, a good. Uh, trick to pull at the end. Tom Waits was so outstanding, so outstanding in his role as the tinker uh, store clerk, store owner. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so, at the end of the day, so. the book is Braille. <gasps> right? Right? Whoa. So you remember, right? I remember. So now we know, at the end of it, this is true, right? This dude was fucking blind, right? Yeah, I've... And, and, right? and ever ever since, sometimes I go into movies and, and I'm like, is this character really blind? Because I'm, I'm just, I'm wary of that, uh, of that premise twist. Ah. That Oliver twist. Hello. I will, sir, I would like some more. More. You want more? But the, but the menu's not in Braille, sir. Eh. Blasphemy. Luxury. You, you should you should you should be a radio announcer that, that sells uh, luxury apartments or something. You could be like this this apartment is pure luxury. This two bedroom apartment is the absolute laugh or luxury. It's so beautiful even when you walk inside of it. I mean, just think about how wonderful everything can feel when you're in the lap of a luxury. It's it's way better than when I was a child, and et cetera, et cetera. Right. I like it. 
I used to wake up in the bottom of the ocean and then beat me with a bottle and I would sleep 16 hours and get up the next day without living 42 hours. Okay. Oh, God. So you know, we... the, the second version of that, I like better than the original Brothers. When John Cleese uh, updated it, would have been, you know, I don't know how long we could find out. How many years later they redid that skit um, on the, the their television show? So it had to be what? Ten years after the brothers did it, the first one. What was it called? Who were the artists? I mean, it was it wasn't it was some of the Monty Python people, but it right. wasn't. Who eventually became Monty Python, but right. they were known then as another name. The yeah, I don't know something or other brothers. I thought sure. Well, nonetheless, I realized sometime last year. Uh, the punny nature of the original name for the Beatles. Do you know what the Beatles were called before they were called the Beatles? The Roaches. No. The Quarrymen. Oh, yes. Yes, I did know that. They, they took the I, name yeah. the Beatles to to mimic uh, the crickets from Buddy Holly. Right, uh, right, right. But and So I, I knew that for many, many, many years. And a year ago or so, I was thinking about it. And it, and, and it totally made sense. Because what do quarrymen get out of the ground? Rock. Got it. Isn't that nice? Yeah. They they were they were yeah. like so. Yeah. What are we doing yeah. here? Rock. Well, what should uh -huh. we be called? The quarrymen. Isn't that isn't uh -huh. that clever? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I appreciate that. But like. Yeah. Well. Well. So uh, the first Beatles record I listened to was in my friend's garage on a like a ten dollar phonograph that played little singles. Yeah. And because we didn't have a needle, we had no money. We used a brand new, very small nail. And we were <laughs> and we were able to hear it well enough that I said to my friend who was playing it in his garage. You said, nailed it, bro. I said, I'm right. going to stick with Mitch Miller. This stuff will never catch on. <laughs> and, and then I went what back. What year was that? Uh, it would have been uh, 19... Uh, well, when the Beatles came out, it would have been 1960 something. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Before, yeah, before yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm sorry. I didn't. <laughs> that was unintentional. I thought, I thought that's what you were doing. <laughs> I thought it was a clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's just what I say no. when I when I want you to shut up so I can talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I remember you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. So the, I don't know if it was the. It's it's not the first Beatles I ever heard, but the first the first CD I ever heard was the White Album. Wow. My my parents bought the White Album on CD before we owned a CD player, and so we just had the CD. And we happened to be visiting my grandparents in Michigan, and uh, and we were staying in sort of this upper uh, floor of their of their house that they often rented out to grad students, but it was empty at the time. And the previous grad student had, or for some reason there was a CD player there. And uh, I, I very distinctly remember, you know, pushing the button and the little tray comes out and then you put the CD in uh -huh. very, very, very carefully and it goes uh -huh. back in. And then hearing back in the USSR play. Uh, oh, yeah. I, wow. That's a clear memory of mine. Yeah, that, that album, uh, you know, in my uh, history growing up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, et cetera, was so musically in tune my mother was uh loved to listen to music and so in addition to mitch miller and the bouncing uh, bubble to know the words 
she had Dinah Washington in, in albums in her uh, stereo. So I listened to Dinah Washington too. And so that for me was the beginning of my love for the blues and for gospel oriented blues and stuff. And, but fast forward to the white album or fast forward. In fact, to any particular momentous, uh, album release of a iconic band, King Crimson, Led Zeppelin, uh, many of the Beatles albums, many of the Stones albums, et cetera, uh, Tom Petty, these, these musical events so, so permeated our life, our fun, even, you know, even while working in the downtime and what we listened to and then what we partied to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so the memory of those songs elicits yes. the, the odors yes. of, in my case, the stale beer smell in a bar with a wooden floor yep. where we used to pour our pitchers of beer and then slide like fucking monkeys in the mud to see who would uh, go furthest to the back of the bar. But the music that went along with that was the music of, you know, our generation. Yes, um, of course. I, I have just the other day, uh, I was struck with the desire to put on a, uh, an album when we were riding, we were, I was driving in the car with, with my family and, uh, we were, you know, 10 minutes away from, from our house. And I, 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 I queued up an album and we we're listening to it and we, we parked and I said, and I said, hold on, I have to stay here for another 20 seconds so I can hear the, the, um, the, the drum solo that, that's, that's coming up. Uh, yeah, but, yes, yeah, yeah. but yeah, but I have, I have Tom Petty, you mentioned Tom Petty, especially Tom Petty, uh, Wildflowers album from 1994. Uh, I can, when I, when I listen to that, I am back in my dorm room. Yeah, right. I can smell exactly. everything exactly. and feel everything. Exactly. Uh, that's exactly. just, isn't that such an amazing uh, phenomenon of the human brain that, that, that music, like they say, the brain scientists say that uh, that the part of your brain that uh, that computes smell is close to the part of the brain that computes that computes memory or something, and that's why you can smell something and you can be back in your grandmother's kitchen uh, in, in you know exactly right. whatever. Uh, right. But uh, eating but, but uh, I, eating eating German potato pancakes. <laughs> okay. What a smell. So, but but I but I but I swear, music, especially music, when you're right. fifteen is will take you right right back there well and and you know and again the uh when you consider the quest as human beings to feel good and to feel uh uh excited to feel high energy to feel high right. in fact and uh, children spinning in circles and and children running and and older uh all the various things that we all do to um generate adrenaline and uh, false uh, adrenaline in our bodies with drinking and whatnot all through that time music is the equalizer that where we connect with all these people that get to that spot of awareness from a completely different place but we're all in the same space together and so when we're singing out loud and pumping our fists and we look at the stranger next to us we are so fucking connected on a, a what a spiritual level because yes. that music is our heart and soul and we feel it in our chest 
and it's thumping when the bass is thumping, thumping, thumping. And my God, man, this is why so many people yeah. end up just being so interconnected over continents and languages and races because of our love for the same fucking tunes. Wow. You know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. It's like it's like NASA. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you here? I'm here, man. I want to listen to some to, rock. To listen to the music. <laughs> yeah. What's your job? Oh, really? What's your job? Making music with my fucking broom. <laughs> <laughs> So you talked about listening to the music that your that your parents played. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mother. Or your mother. I I've been uh, I've lately been fighting some battles as to whenever we get in the car, my my daughter says, "Hey, put on that uh, that song that I like." And lately, I've been sort of saying, "Look, first we're going to listen to the music that Daddy likes because Daddy thinks that you need to hear this this music because it's amazing." Sometime, right. Sometimes, yeah. Not all the time. Sometimes I'm going to let you choose. But so sometimes I have to be like, look, uh, I, I, as the grown up here, feel the need to impart upon you my, yeah, right. m what, what I think is good music. And man, I feel, I feel like my generation did a, well, okay. This is probably universal, probably universal that you, you probably think this, uh, the same, even though you're, you know, a generation before me that I feel like I did a pretty good job of absorbing the tastes of my parents' generation uh, in a way that, and again, every yeah, generation, that, yeah, every yeah, generation yeah. says this yeah. in a way that, that my kids' generation is not appreciative enough of the music well, that I like. So this is what I'd say about that. Our understanding of that appreciation doesn't happen until much later yes. in the younger generation's life. Yes. And so they may not know it now. They would be loath to admit it now. Because children of certain ages loathe anything that has to do with their parents, as if to say, I don't want to be known to be part of this family. Yes. Walk over there, right? And so <laughs> yeah. it's later. I'm, I'm just about getting to that point, yes. It's later. Well, uh, and <laughs> do you have to dress like that? Do you have to come to this, to the school, dress like that? <laughs> I'm just yeah. just in my clothes. It's just yeah. just the way I dress. <laughs> Will you walk behind me? Right. <laughs> and not so much not so much here in here in Spain, but in America, people say, you know, their kids tell them, "Can you park like a uh, hundred yards away so I can just walk in without?" Oh no no! Hey, drop me off here, Dad. No no, here's good. No here's good. Oh, there's my friend Billy. Let me out of the car. Let me out of the fucking car. <laughs> I want to be seen with you. Exactly. Fucking douchebag. Yeah. Old man. It's cool. like, so, you know, because, you know, our generation is like, all right, whatever. I mean, we'd be like, sure, man. Sure, dude. Go ahead. Jump out, man. <laughs> I mean, what? All right. Go. I mean, whatever. Who knows? Who no, knows? but that, that's a, that's a, that's a uh, pet peeve of mine that um, people, Every generation complains that the next that that their kids' generation is totally worthless, lazy motherfuckers that aren't going to amount to anything, and our you know civilization has reached its peak with my generation and is now totally down into the shitter. And 
uh, every and what what's amazing is that you can go back and look at the articles that were published 100 years ago, 150 years ago, 75 years ago, and they all say the same thing. It's yeah, all right, exactly. it's all grown up saying this young generation doesn't know anything. And, right, right. You know, it's, it's repetition. But but I would tell you this, I I don't feel that way, and frankly, I've never felt that way, and it may be because my musical tastes are so eclectic. No, no, I'm not, that, I'm not talking about music exact, only, but yes, I also enjoy my kids' music that they listen to, uh, but but I'm talking about just in general, like, I mean, and, and again, I also don't, I also don't complain like this, but, but man, talking to the other parents in school, uh, they're just like, blah, 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 video games, blah, 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 uh, they just, they, yeah, yeah. they hate all the, all the things that weren't the way they were when they were children. Why can't every, uh-huh. every why can't every uh-huh. child's life be like it what mine was? Right. Uh, and playing up in the field, <laughs> like I grew up up in the field. Right, where your father beat right? you, uh, right? you know, with a no, plastic. That, uh, that that was a Polish accent. That was my. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. That was my mother. When 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 the when the kids in the neighborhood yeah. would come knocking on my door and ask where we were, me or my two brothers at the time. I grew up with two other brothers. My mother would say in a bit of a Polish accent, because she had a bit of a Polish accent. Right, she would say, the up in the field. The up in the field. Up in the field. And later and later in our years, yeah, the that, that was uh that was what my friends how my friends would kind of make fun of my mother in an endearing way, you know. And uh and we would tell stories of our youth, right? Right. When standing in a circle, you know, at the at the uh, park near the lake and telling stories of our youth and, and just rolling and razzing on each other, you know, uh, in a circle to see who could insult the, another person in the circle more completely, yeah. you know, to the, to the admiration of everyone there, except <laughs> for the, except for the victim of the assault. But, okay. but, uh, back in the day, man, roasting your friends. Yeah. Roasting. Exactly. We, I think we call it rolling the eights. You know, and I'm not quite sure if that that's a term I learned later. And I, we didn't call it anything. We call, call it going out. We call it going drinking, <laughs> which was nothing more than a, a circle of, of boys. Yeah. Making each other laugh. One of one of the one of the group ended up becoming a sportscaster. Others became uh, writers for comedy shows and things of that nature. So nice. it was it was it was very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very funny. I mean, we laughed until we were rolling on the ground. It was so funny. <laughs> Uh, but that's what it was, you know, and drinking. So, and so, did you each eat, did you each have a drink, or were you passing one around, or what? No, no, no. We would be drinking beer by the by the by the by the case. Yeah, drink bottles of beer by the case. Yeah, or or canned beer. I would drink bottles if I recall. But you know, we had a bar where when we were of age, we went and uh, they had a splits night, and a split is a is a small bottle of beer about the size half the size of half of a regular bottle of beer, but right. they're real tiny. And so uh, that means that when you're drinking and you're binge drinking, particularly that you can guzzle the whole beer in one swallow. I mean, you just just drink it. And so we had this bar where we would have a group of us on a team, so to speak, and tables to put our empty beer bottles. Uh, We can fill the table first. Yes. And the winner, right, was uh, bragging rights and uh, probably free beer. And then the others, they had, I don't know how, I can't remember right, how it worked, right. but it, it ended in fistfights and shit, you know, nice. and, and bad, bad stuff. Because, I mean, we were drinking fucking 
gallons of fucking beer. I mean, it was it was not a little beer. It was fifty beer. It, yeah, was, it was fifty. It was beers. an impossible number of beers. I mean, you know, Lord, man. But was it over a long period of time? Or oh, was a night. A night, yeah. Night. I mean, you'd go in at, at eight or nine o'clock, maybe a little later, nine thirty, and then it'd be one thirty. And by the time you know, there'd be two, maybe if it was just two groups left, is when there was trouble. But it was always ended up to be two groups left. Right, right. You know, that's the way. And then you know, different parts of town. You know, in different nationalities. I mean, I hung with Italians in Dunkirk. I was the first non-Italian to become a member of the Columbus Club, which is Italian club downtown Dunkirk, uh, New York. And in fact, much to their chagrin, the first non-Italian to ever win the annual Muda Championship. Muda you know, being? Italian, Italian numbers finger game where you huh. throw down your hand and you guess in Italian what the total of the fingers will be. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete. And whoever wins, wins. And you win, it's a a competition. And I won. And when I was done winning, we ended up kind of like rolling and fighting around in the fucking ground. Because the Italian dude was so pissed that a fucking German Polak won the fucking fucking Muda Championship. But it was only fitting because just say, yeah, I was the first non-Italian member of the Columbus Club. That's good. Story of my ute. Story of my ute. (laughs) <laughs> and it, you, you have to have a pass to get in. You know, it's just a little bar, a little bar and a little room. You could play poker stuff. It was a little building. You show your card, you get in. There's a bar with about 12 seats. Everybody goes there every night and fucking drinks. Hmm. And they got food. Of course. Club. Yeah. Yeah. That, that whole uh, small beer concept was new to me when I when I got to Spain because oh, uh, yeah. they do this they do this thing where they serve you like a quarter of a pint you like that like the big yeah in general uh yeah you get these little tiny beers but what you could what you do and they're and they're super cheap they're like uh when i got here they were 50 cents for a quarter oh. of a pint or something uh and especially what eight ounce uh yeah sure you're talking draft beer right what no not craft uh, yeah yeah draft draft yeah yeah. So it's a little, cup, little glass. Yeah, a little glass. You just well, no, it's, it you, you don't take it as a shot, but um, but what you do is uh, because they're so cheap, and because the bars are so close together, you 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 order around, and you know you're there with uh, with uh, s- say you're there with uh, s- six other people. Let's say seven other people. So a round costs two euros because it's uh, no fifty. Let's see, fifty times. Let's say you're there with 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 uh, three other people. So you, so your round costs two euros because it's uh, four times fifty cents, and uh, and then you go to the next bar and someone else pays and you end up you know just going around and around. But the but the fact that it's such a small beer means that one you're uh, you can buy round and then you know that you're you know. They're round, they're small enough rounds that everyone in the group is going to end up paying, which is nice. But but of course you don't just drink one round per of bar. Cor- no, uh, yeah, per, per bar because the bars are so close together. So you you go walking, you go walking. Maybe but, no, but maybe you go to eight bars. Okay. But isn't it true that if you're in a particular fun bar that you'll have a second round? Sometimes, but and not move on. Sometimes, but, but uh, so you're disciplined to be admired. Well, a lot of the joy is the going between bars and seeing 
this, the same people or different people in every in every in every, in every bar. Uh, but right. what you can do is you can, because you're spreading these little small beers out, you can be uh, several hours doing this and not really be drunk, but have a have a pleasant buzz and yeah, yeah, be, yeah. be walking around and just generally be content and happy, which is uh, which is which well, to- which totally is contrasted to my experience in England where. Uh, they, you know, you order a pint and, you know, after two pints, you know, you, you're not really, you're not going anywhere. And also if you have to, if the bars are far apart, then, you know, you're not going to drive. And if you have more, right. if you have a couple right. people, if you have more than like three other people in your group, you're not going to all buy around on one night. And then you have to remember who right. who's in debt from the previous right. outing and blah, right. blah, blah. Uh, right. So it's a, right. it's, so- it's a pretty cool like I, I learned to appreciate the small, uh, the small beer, here. And also, uh-huh, uh-huh. The, the, the second part is, your beer is always cold, especially in the, yeah. in, the in the hot summer in in, right. in southern Spain. Right. right. You order a right. pint. By the time you get down to the bottom, it's warm. Uh, That's right. But if you That's have right. a bunch of small little ones that just came fresh out of the out of the keg, yep. then you're good. Yep. The so. miracle of refrigeration. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Science so our man. version of that, our version of that, growing up in my twenties was we had a bar that a couple of brothers owned, and the name of the bar was Brothers. And uh, they organized a beer hop, a bar hop, that started in the town of Dunkirk, New York, a small town, 18, 19, 20,000 people. And then next door to that town, the town of Fredonia, New York, which houses the State University of New York at Fredonia, which was the training grounds for the Buffalo Bills for many, many years, and a, a quite a bar, a, you know, a college town in its own right. So Dunkirk, Fredonia is a region. And so uh, we would put on... Uh, uh, one of the people in the group would wear a toga and the toga had a black magic marker tied to a white string. And every time we went to a bar, somebody wrote the name of the bar on the toga. And at the end of the night at the annual event, we would count up the number of bars you had a souvenir. that were signed. And then we would know, oh, well, <laughs> first we'd know how many bars we went to because we couldn't count. No, of course we couldn't. I mean, it was too much. And we started 20, 30 strong. It ended up with, you know, four or five people. Right. But the night that I actually, actually, literally was was raised from the sewer on the side street of Fredonia, New York, by my my eventual wife, my bride to be <laughs> lifted me from the sewer was the day that we did in 12 hours from 2 a.m. Oh to bar closing at 2 p.m. 55 bars. Holy shit. And at every bar. Much to my question to you, because this is what happened in our town. When we would go to the clubs, like the Columbus Club and the Kosciuszko Club, we had four wards in our town in Dunkirk, each with a different nationality. They each had their own club. Right. And so when you went to the club, you would go and you would, there was a bar. I mean, we had people's houses that the front parlor was removed to furniture and a wooden bar carried in. And you went in the front door of a house and there was a bar that would hold 10 or 12 people. Right. And that and and so there was one for every neighborhood back in the day. Yeah. So that's why we would have so many. And then then the the journey to the next town wasn't a walk. It was a drive. And I'm sure we were dangerous and stupid. But I think there were some designated drivers. But when we went to the Fredonia side of it, which was just a three mile walk for people that wanted to walk, you hit another twenty five, thirty bucks. Nice, nice, nice. And that's where and that's where my uh, my one true love did uh, find me uh, in the gutter. (laughs) in the gutter that's not where you met it's just she happened to happened upon you there and when she saw me when she saw me there she knew that i was the man for her 
<laughs> this this rat from the gutter. This is the man I want to spend my life with. This. <laughs> you are so beautiful to me. Lifting me out of the gutter. Nice. That's sort of a metaphor for your entire life, really. <laughs> oh, Lord, Lord help us. Lord help us. I'm not All right. I'm not I'm not exactly sure what to think. I don't I don't know what reality is. I don't know. All right, I think that's enough for tonight. All right. See you, my friend. Okay, that's all the time we have for today. If you've enjoyed what you just heard, you can support us by telling a friend or sharing us on social media. All of our episodes are available on our website at happyhour.fm. You can tweet at us at happyhour.fm. That's with a dot spelled out, happyhour.dotfm. Or we can receive email at the same name, happyhour.dotfm at gmail.com. See you next week.